What up, world? It's pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday, a weekly segment where we answer listener questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, there's two ways to do it. One, on the Twitter.com website or application on your mobile device. Just tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, or wait for Monday mornings, typically Monday mornings, when I send out a tweet soliciting questions. You can just send it to me during the week whenever you're thinking of it, or if you respond to the tweet I send out, I'll see it and get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user, you can still get involved, or if you're someone who doesn't tweet, you can st- still get involved by emailing the show, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com is the address. That's lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. We are going to keep Mailbag Monday rolling. It doesn't always come out on a Monday. It's coming out on a Tuesday this week because of Labor Day here in the United States. But we do it each week. We're going to keep it rolling throughout the offseason. No basketball, no Blazers basketball specifically is not going to stop us. So if you have questions, don't hesitate. Send them our way. Without further ado, after that preamble, let's get into it. The first question comes from Trailblazin at Trailblazin00 on Twitter who says, any chance we can go after the Greek freak in the offseason if he doesn't go back to the Bucks? And if so, how likely are our chances? Maybe for CJ, or do you see us having to give up anything? Very stupid question, I know, but I have to ask, LOL. Guess what, Trailblazing? Everyone, for reasons that are relatively obvious, wanted to know about Giannis Antetokounmpo this week. Barkley is my boy at Illegal Screen 2 said, Can Dame make it happen to recruit Giannis to Portland? And somehow, someway, we're going to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo in this whole first segment. Here's the deal. The Bucks, uh, when most of you were writing this, were down either 3-0 or 3-1 in, the, in their series against the Miami Heat. Giannis Antetokounmpo um, is eligible for a contract extension this summer. Entering the, he'll enter the final year of his contract next season. And there's some speculation that if he doesn't sign his designated veterans contract the giant five-year 200 million dollar extension with the bucks then that would be the signal that he wants to leave milwaukee forcing milwaukee to explore a future without Giannis antetokounmpo which would include trading for him he is not a free agent next year let's let's just let's be clear about that he is not there is no circumstance where when the bucks season ends that Giannis antetokounmpo can enter free agency that's not how this is going to work so when he leaves, should he leave the Bucks prior to the start of next season? It would be via trade. But so can Dame recruit Giannis to Portland? That doesn't really factor in because even if Giannis wants to come here, the Bucks would still have to agree to some sort of trade. And can they make it happen for maybe CJ McCollum? Here's my thinking on this, folks. Hell no, the Blazers are not in the market for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Unless there is some elaborate multi-team trade where the Blazers get involved and send out a bunch of picks and CJ McCollum and their young guys like Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons, but but a straight up team one-to-one team trade involving Giannis Antetokounmpo is not going to happen for the Blazers. Here's what you need to trade for a star: you need a young player that could turn on a relatively cheap deal or inexpensive deal that could turn into a superstar because teams want to trade for uh, potential value. The Blazers don't have anyone on the roster that I think categorizes as a young player that could potentially be a star. They have some 
you know, every time it's could turn out to be a, a pretty good NBA player. Zach Collins looks like he could turn out to be a, like a really solid NBA starter. Gary Trent Jr. looks like he could be a long-term high-level role player in the league. And beyond that, the Blazers don't have any young players, even on the roster, period, much less young guys that are sort of at that early part of their development curve that you could get really excited about. Apologies to Wynion Gabriel and Nazir Little. The other thing you would need is high draft picks. The Blazers have the 16th pick in this draft and look like they'll probably be right back in that range roughly again for the next couple seasons as long as Damian Lode is on the roster. So they don't have sexy draft picks. They don't have sexy prospects. And even their stars, their most tradable player, is Yusuf Nurkic, a position where maybe teams don't view that as a centerpiece and Nurk himself isn't exactly a franchise centerpiece on his own. Cedric McCollum is a scoring two-guard. See all these factors? That's why it can't happen. And yet, many others asked, including Matthew at Reverend Romulus, who asks, what's more likely that the next season starts on Christmas or before the Blazers trade for Giannis Antetokounmpo in the offseason? Uh, I'm going to go with start on Christmas or before. For the reasons I laid out, it's very unlikely the Blazers will be trade for, able to trade for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Tyson at Ty underscore Son on Twitter asks, if the Warriors try to make space for Giannis Antetokounmpo, do you think the Blazers can make a play for Draymond Green anyways? Uh, I kind of joked that I was getting a lot of Giannis questions, and so Tyson says this is his best attempt at a bad Giannis question. Um, yeah, this is sort of like the, my idea for how this would work for the Blazers getting involved in a Giannis deal. Maybe they they throw in some picks and throw in some parts and throw in some contracts, and a larger multi-team trade lands them, maybe not Giannis, but another piece that would be an upgrade i don't draymond green really valuable to the warriors not sure he's really valuable on literally any other roster in the league because of his specific limitations like i don't think replacing draymond with cj makes the blazers better it just makes them makes them worse but different adam at real mike stand on twitter says what is more likely Giannis to portland or dame has an early 30s growth sport and uses his new six foot eight 220 pound frame to average 50 points and lead the blazers to the championship i'm gonna say Giannis to portland on that one not a lot of um, not a lot of growth spurts I know happening in folks after their say their their twenty fourth birthday, but hey, you never know. Nick Vol at Nick Vol on Twitter asks, "Do you think Thanasis or Costa Antetokounmpo is the more viable NBA product?" Um, I'm gonna guess that it's Costas. I think Costas is a better NBA player. I don't think either of them are high level NBA players, but I kind of think the younger Costas is your is more likely to turn out to be an NBA player. Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter asks, if we can't get Giannis, how many of his brothers should we sign this offseason? Over under 0.5. I'm going to go the over. If you can't get one, Antetokounmpo, more Antetokounmpo's is better. Imagine the Blazers land two Antetokounmpo's in the offseason. How excited and how confused you'd be when you send your friends text messages. I say if you can't get Giannis, get both of his brothers I'm not sure how old Alex Antetokounmpo is, but get him too. Three Antetokounmpo brothers. Hit the over. Pound the over. Adam Nakamura at Adam Naka 28 asks our next question. And Adam asks, every time someone says, hey, let's trade Gary Trent and Mello with our 16th pick for Giannis and keep Nurk and CJ and Dame, one of my brain cells dies. What advice do you have to make Blazers fans think more realistically? Well... I think part of being a fan of a team, and particularly the NBA where one player swings so much of the balance of the game, is that you don't have to be realistic. It's fun to be unrealistic. But my advice when someone does that or, or when someone has 
unrealistic options is to recommend that they listen to a podcast called Locked on Blazers. In fact, you could play them this first segment here. Uh, maybe just ask them to spend about 10 minutes with me on the podcast here, and I will lay out the reasons why it's very difficult for the Blazers to trade for a star. They don't have cap space. They don't have sexy prospects. They don't have sexy draft picks. And their, even their tradable parts are a little bit on the old side, nearing their 30th birthday or a center in Yusuf Nurkic, who is not exactly a franchise centerpiece. See, there you go, Adam. Here's a, I gave a reasonable explanation in just 10 minutes. All you got to do when someone goes crazy is send them the link to wherever they already get podcasts because Lockdown Blazers is, on all of, is in all of those places. That's a simple solution. Thanks for growing the show, Adam. I appreciate you. All right, that's enough Antetokounmpo talk. Um, it's not going to happen. It's a fun pipe dream. It's always fun in, when when a NBA team is struggling and they have a star player entering a contract year to always speculate. It's it's natural and it's enjoyable. I don't. I'm kind of goofing on you people for um, asking about it, but it's natural. People do it whenever Dame loses in the playoffs. It's you know how can we get Dame to Los Angeles or whatever. Um, it's just, it's just the way fandom works in the NBA, and it's fun. Um, even if it's unrealistic, I totally get it. All right, second segment, we're going to do more listener questions, but a lot less Antetokounmpo. In fact, none, the way my show is laid out. But before we get there to the non-Antetokounmpo section of the podcast, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. You know rockauto.com because they're the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need, from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil to even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications and prices you prefer. The prices is what it's all about because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And make sure while you're there, you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's keep it rolling with, on Mailbag Monday with more of your questions. This next one comes from Barkley is my boy at Illegal Screen Two on Twitter, who asks, "When will Stott slash Olshay realize that CJ can't lead the second unit, and we need a floor general who makes plays when Dame Dallas sits on the bench?" So I don't think this is a Terry Stotts Neil Olshay problem. I view this as a CJ McCollum problem, and let me tell you why. When Dame was out, and when Dame has out, when Dame was out for six games this year, CJ morphed into a just a really good NBA point guard. To wit, in the six games that Dame missed with an ankle injury earlier this year, CJ McCollum averaged 33 points and shot 48% from the floor and 40% from three, and also 8.3 assists. His efficiency didn't go down scoring with a higher volume, and he was able to set the table for his teammates averaging eight assists a game. For his career in 29 games without, excuse me, 30 games, if you include the final playoff game against the Los Angeles Lakers this season, CJ McCollum averages 28 points, six assists, and five boards. 
against the Lakers in Game 5, CJ put up 36, 6 rebounds and 7 assists. When he plays point guard, he is a perfectly reasonable table setter. He's not a ball hog. But there is something about when he starts in scorer mode, when he starts in shooting guard mode, he doesn't transition very well. And I asked him exactly this back in March of this year, before the season was shut down. And, he, and I, I, my question to him was, what did you learn while Dame was out, like about yourself and about how you can play? And he told me then, in a strangely defiant way, that he felt like the coaching staff probably learned more about what he was capable of than he did. But Terry Stotts had said earlier that night, in one of the most honest pregame media availabilities that Stotts has had in three seasons, that the team has to coax the table setting, a passing the ball, facilitator role out of C.J. Moore when he's not, when Dame is on the court. So I don't see this as a, as a coaching and GM problem. I see this as a sort of a quirk of C.J.'s personality and mindset that maybe you can say coaching needs to coax out of him, but um, I don't think, I think it's in there if they could find it. Um and just in general, the way the roster is set up, I don't think the Blazers should add another guard. If they're going to commit to Gary Trent Jr. and Amphrey Simons and Dame and CJ, I don't think adding a fifth point guard helps this team. It just, uh, they got to find it with what they already have on the roster or they got to make some trades. Uh, they, they don't need to get smaller. They need to get longer. Okay, next question comes from none of your business at none of why 306-81572. Y'all know how I feel about long serial digits at the end of Twitter handles, but I digress. None of your business asks, will the Blazers sign Ariza back and will they extend GTJ this year? Um, Ariza is not a free agent. He has a partial guarantee on his contract for $1.2 million and a fully guaranteed contract of a little over 12 million, about 12 and a half, I believe. Um, he's coming back. Uh, the, the money that they would recoup by, by waiving him would not be valuable. They wouldn't be able to sign a player of his caliber very likely, wouldn't get enough cap space to make it really valuable. I, At least in my mind, I think Ariza is very, very likely to be on the team next year. And it's not about re-signing him. It's just about guaranteeing that contract. Uh, one thing is if you trade him, uh, he's... He do, the other team can't cut him, so there's there's no valuable in the non-guaranteed. It's really just if they wanted to waive him, it's on the table for him. And will they extend Gary Trent Jr.? I don't think so. Um, typically, they have not uh, they have not gone with the rookie extensions on guys. They've been, Neil has basically signed two has signed two rookie extensions. Dame and CJ uh, basically near max giant extensions. Dame's was a true max. CJ was a basically a near max. It was it was max money, but not technically a max extension. Um, so. I'm going to say no. I, I think they do re-sign Gary and he's part of the plan, but I assume he will play out the season, hit uh, hit restricted free agency, and then they will sign him from there. That would be my guess. That's just, that's my best guess without having done any reporting or asking anyone or anything like that. Next question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus who asked, there's narrative that the Blazers are able to get success out of players that are either seems to be washouts, i.e. Mo Harkless, or past their prime, i.e. Mello. Who is a young player that has been given up on and washed and a washed out vet on it that the team should work their magic on next year? So I, I think this is definitely a reputation they have, but I don't know if it's totally earned. Uh, washouts like Mario Hazonia didn't exactly work, and past their prime players like Anthony Tolliver was a, pretty much a bad addition to the team. So it doesn't always work out perfectly. I think um, both of those guys are pretty obvious uh, examples. I would say to some extent, um, they 
they didn't exactly work their magic with Hassan Whiteside. He kind of just is who he is. He's like a guy who puts up great numbers, but didn't really impact winning on a super high level. So I'm not saying it's totally undeserved. They definitely done it. But I think the narrative, maybe the narrative gets more credit than it is due. We'll talk about that more in a second. Um, Young player that's been given up on and washed out. I'm going to say Josh Jackson, uh, a Lot, a top five pick in the 2017 draft. Uh, his his fourth year player option on his rookie deal was not picked up and he was traded by the team that drafted him Phoenix to Memphis. He started the year in Memphis in the G League and then he kind of got a little bit of a role and then ended up out of the rotation come crunch, like come winning time in, in Orlando in the bubble. So, you know, he's like a six eight wing. I don't think he's very good, but in terms of someone who fits the mold, I think that's a pretty good idea. And as far as past their prime players go, why not just run it back with Carmelo Anthony, right? Uh, if you want a player that's not on the roster, how about Wilson Chandler? Is that, I think that's an okay plan. Um, I don't love that one in terms of fit. I don't like, I don't think Josh Jackson or Wilson Chandler helps, but I think in terms of players that fit those specific criteria, that's about as close to an upgrade as you're going to get. Next question comes from Jorts, who asks, best player development job with Olshay era? Nurk, Matthews, Trent, CJ, Harkless? Uh, CJ certainly up there. Nurk definitely up there. Wesley Matthews was, like, already good. That's why they signed him. He had he had developed in Utah, made his hay guarding uh, Mello and Kobe in the playoffs and the Blazers signed him and he started right away and he was really good. So I think Matthews developed, but I don't know if the Blazers get credit for that. Trent Jr. Definitely a, um, a, a work in progress uh, and someone who was way ahead of the curve and deserves credit for it. But he was a, you know, a high level recruit that probably fancied himself a first round pick a la Alan Crabb and then got better in the pros. So he definitely deserves credit. CJ, um, you know, a lottery pick who didn't play basically for his first two years. So hard to say whether that was lack of opportunity opportunity or develop behind the scenes but when they let him loose man he was really good Nurk I think is is a really good choice because he was obviously he was good right away when he got here but I think his second season he wasn't nearly as good like his first full season with the team he wasn't nearly as good and then he kind of uh dialed in what he needed to do better and has has taken big leaps since that so I'd say Nurk is I would say Nurk and of the of the players you name deserves it. But uh, other names I would throw out, there's Pat Connaughton, who was probably not an NBA player when he arrived and has left to be a pretty valuable part on a very, very good Bucks team and was at least useful in his final season with the Blazers. Jake Lehman deserves a shout out here. And then Will Barton, I think. Uh, um, he never, he didn't really blossom with the Blazers. He showed, he showed a lot of promise, but he was someone who was kind of in that development portal showed that he could be an NBA player with the Blazers. And then when he left really took off as, as a, as just a really, really solid NBA wing. So I'll say, I'll say rank them Nurk, Pat, Will Barton, Jake Lehman. All right. We'll come back in the third segment, close out the show with more of your questions. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about DoorDash, you know, DoorDash, it's the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door and ordering is easy. You just open up that DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contact, contactless delivery drop-off. And don't worry, your favorite food, the food you're craving right now is almost certainly sitting there on DoorDash because they've got over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. 
so you can support your local go-tos or choose from your big national chains. They've got what you want, and right now you can get it for a little bit of money off. Right now, my listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter that code Locked on MBA one more time so you don't forget it. That's code Locked on MBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listing Locked on Blazers. We're still rolling through Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter who asks, if you could add either Prime Uncle Cliffy or Prime She to the Blazers right now, who do you pick? This is a tough one. I think um, Cliff Robinson at his prime would have been a really useful stretch four, a really underrated defender, one of the best, one of the best uh, sort of three and D guys before that was a thing that existed in the league. But Prime Sheed was one of the best players in the league. Like I, I know that Cliff Cliffy had an all-star season in 1994, but Rasheed Wallace was better for longer. And for me, that's why I'm going Sheed. He could play four. He could play five. He's a really nice compliment next to Nurk. In theory, Sheed in his prime is a really versatile defender. And I'm going to say with Damian Lillard sort of um, helping him with some of his attitude issues and competitive issues that we'd get the absolute best out of Sheed. Okay, this next question comes from Jesse from Gmail who says, I'm a Syracuse fan living in Kentucky, so I only hear UK stuff. So thanks for talking hoops with me all year. You're welcome. I feel like I'm mostly talking hoops at you, Jesse. So if you feel like you're part of the conversation, that makes me feel good too. Jesse says, Mello brought me to the Blazers. Thanks for giving him an opportunity. I, I didn't do that, Jesse. I, had no, I was not involved in any way. But I did really enjoy Mello this year, so that was cool for me too. Jesse's question, though, is, would you be in favor of bringing more Syracuse players to Portland? I hear a lot of announcers and people on ESPN stress that Q's players don't make good NBA players because of the zone defense. I disagree. Jeremy Grant, Michael Carter-Williams of more recent. Could knowledge of the zone and trap defense potentially help Portland? Uh, Jeremy Grant's really good, but it has nothing to do with him playing zone in college. Michael Carter-Williams is not very good and has nothing to do with him playing zone in college. What? I don't think the zone necessarily hurts players. It maybe hurts like their, um, you don't get to see them like defend in space and hurts like recruiting them. But I don't think the problem with Syracuse players is specifically the zone. I think the problem with Syracuse players is that they haven't been super awesome recently, I think is probably a more, a more accurate um, depiction of, of Syracuse guys. I'm a Carolina fan. So one of the few teams that I, I watch regularly is, is Syracuse. They've given uh, Carolina a lot of fits. Um, but in general, I, I don't think it's the zone thing. Um, I think it's just the lack of, of like sp- specific high-level talent recently coming out of Syracuse. But Jesse adds three options. Tyus Battle, a 6'5 wing. He's a consistent scorer and a good athlete who was a top 20 draft pick but stayed in college for a little while and ended up in the G League. I'm out on Tyus Battle. I um, He gave Carolina fits, but I don't think he's an NBA player. Number two that Jesse offers is drafting Elijah Hughes, a junior from Syracuse, who's a 6'6 wing and a pretty good catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, he's took on some ball-handling responsibilities this year, but he could probably... He was a high-level scorer in the league and could probably help in the NBA. I'm, I'll am i be honest. Um, 
I watched Elijah Hughes play one terrible game against Carolina and one really good game against Carolina. So I don't really have a good feel for him. Um, but so, yeah, I, depending on where he falls, like I wouldn't pick him at 16, but as a second round pick, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see what happens. Um, I'm not out on Elijah Hughes. So let's just say that. And the third option is O'Shea Brissett, six, eight wing, super athletic. He's, He's on the end of the Raptors bench. Uh, Raptors have a really good record for sort of developing the O'Shea Brissets of the world, um, kind of out of nowhere, skinny, multi-skilled power forwards. Um, shoot threes, pretty good at getting to the rim. Yeah, my issue here is that I like. I think the Blazers have pretty much twelve or thirteen guys locked in for the for their team next year, and that. Like the future for them moving forward is not adding projects or adding potential. Um, so if you were to add a guy like that, you would want him to be an immediate contributor. So I'm probably out on him too. I'm probably out on all these Syracuse dudes, to be honest. Um, I don't have a Syracuse bias. I don't really like Jim Beheim if I'm keeping it a million. But um, I, I just think these dudes are the whole Syracuse problem. They just haven't had a hot, lot of high-level talent. Um, and I'm not sure any of these people solve the Blazers problems but if uh you know you, it's always fun to root for players you like so you know follow these orange men wherever they land next question comes from Brennan O'Donnell at Brennan O'Donnell on Twitter who asks if we roll back with a health we've rolled this back with a healthy roster replace Whiteside with a mid-level mid-level competent enough backup center what does the first half of the season look like what tweaks happen at the all-star break wow Brennan you are really asking me to look deep into the crystal ball here whew um, I think the Blazers are pretty good with like a competent backup center and the roster they have. I think they're probably like a 50 win team, 48, I'll say 44 to 51 win team with that roster. Uh, they'll still have some holes. They won't be great in, at forward. They're still going to be, they'll be worse on, they won't be a high level defensive team. I should say, I don't think they're going to be necessarily terrible, but not a high level defensive team with that group. Um, so I, I think they're pretty good first half of the season. I think they'll be right there in the mix for battling for home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're a top-tier playoff team with their current roster. Um, their path towards becoming a top-tier playoff team is like some really big jumps from Zach Collins and Anthony Simons. Doesn't that sound pretty similar to where they were last year? It's almost like they're just going to hit the reset button. So what tweaks happen at the break? I mean, that you're, that's that's tough. We don't even know when the season is going to start, much less how it's all going to play out. I would just say that the way the roster would be constructed, you would probably still need another physical four would be a good addition to the team. Or maybe like an Ennis Cantor type who could just come in and play high level five but it kind of depends on who that mid-level center is so i i don't know brendan you asked me a question i can't answer i i did my best next question comes from logan gillis who asks if you had a time machine and could add aaron mckeen as prime to this blazers roster and hoodie never got injured and ariza didn't opt out and hassan whiteside would bo- would box out with the blazers have won the title this year no no probably not Last question of the show comes from Thomas Cogswell, who asks, who is the best 3-4 we can trade for in a current playoff team that is about to blow it up or retool? Yeah, it's hard to know this, right? Like, it's hard to know who exactly is available on the trade market. There's no such thing as a trade block. Guys become available as teams kind of read their options. Um, Teams that look like they're going to retool potentially... The 76ers, although what that retool looks like remains to be seen. So 
like players that fit that description on there is Tobias Harris, who I am very much not a fan of at his current price, and Ben Simmons, who I think is one of the best players in the NBA, but may be impossible for the Blazers to acquire considering their assets. Um, in theory, the Bucks could, but I'm not sure that you can easily land Middleton. I'm not sure a Middleton for CJ McCollum swap helps both teams enough that they get it done, although I do think it would upgrade the Blazers a significant amount. I think in some ways Blake Griffin is the answer to this question, although he's really expensive and oft injured, and so it'd be a pretty big risk, but uh, that's a team in Detroit that's probably going to blow it up and a player that likely will be available that can play some four, probably more of a center at this point in his career, but certainly can play a little bit of four. Hard to imagine a trade that gets you Blake Griffin and that that that's going to be pretty expensive. So... Uh, so I don't know if you want to trade for Blake Griffin. I don't know. Kevin Love, certainly a name in there, but I think people are out on Kevin Love. But those are some names for you. I think tying this final question back into the first question, I think the thing to think about with trades is that both teams need to be happy. So when you're constructing a trade, who's the best three or four the Blazers could trade for? Think about this. Who is the player that the, who is the, the Blazers' best trade chip? And what type of trade could you construct using that specific trade that would make the team you're sending them to happy? What types of players would a Gary Trent Jr. plus the 16th pick in the draft net you? Do you think that nets you an all-star? Seems relatively unlikely. And the way that the money works, it seems like you would have to throw in a big money contract. That means a Rizzo or CJ McCollum in there. Well, is Yusuf Nurkic the Blazers' most tradable player? Is that something they're even someone they're even willing to trade? It seems unlikely. But what does multiple first-round picks and Yusuf Nurkic net you? If you if you package it all together, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, Gary Trent Jr., multiple first-round picks, all of those things. What is any one team out there willing to give up for that type of package? That's what you have to ask. When you're thinking about what is possible, think about what you can give up. And I'm not sure the Blazers have the assets to to really make a splash trade. They certainly could get involved. Uh, it's not totally out of the question. It's hard to know the market for teams. And maybe there's teams dying to get off money um, because of the... Uh, financial implications that the league currently finds itself in. And if the Blazers are willing to take on money, something that isn't really clear that they're willing to do, then maybe they could be they could benefit in some way. But I, 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 I encourage all of you, dear listeners, to think about the trade from both sides, from both ends. What would make both teams happy? What are both teams trying to get? And that's what you should think about when do, when approaching roster construction. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all of you who participate by either sending in questions or listening along at home. I appreciate you all. Tell your friends about this podcast. Like I joked in that first segment with my man, Adam, you know, the best way that for to have your friends learn about the team is to send them this little 30 minute episode and have them learn a little bit about the team. That way you guys can yuck it up together. Helps me, helps your, your dear NBA friendships. So yeah, let's grow the let's grow the Lockdown Blazers community. Just search Lockdown Blazers wherever you get podcasts. We'll be there waiting for you. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, as always, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or send me an email, lockdownblazerspod at gmail.com. We do this each week. It's not going anywhere. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.